Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, folks. Rob Hessler here with another episode of Art on the Air, my weekly Savannah Morning News special. So happy that you tuned in. Have a really nice interview lined up for you again this week. One of two interviews that I did this week for the Savannah Morning News at savannahnow.com in the entertainment section. And that is with Samantha Mack from her studio space talking about her exhibition through a kaleidoscope over at Sulphur Studios. It's her MFA thesis exhibition, and she's getting an MFA in painting, but the exhibition is entirely of crochet, fiber work, lighting. There's a video piece. It's really incredible. I had a great chance to chat with her, and I'm excited to share that interview with you and all of the details behind the work in her show, but more importantly, the philosophy behind that work, which I think you're going to really be fascinated by. Wanted to mention, as always, you can catch past episodes of Art on the Air and all of the writing that I do for the Savannah Morning News at savannahnow.com in the entertainment section and in the lifestyle section. And as I mentioned, this interview with Samantha Mack is one of two Art off the Air, Art on the Air pieces that I am doing this week. The other one is with the artists and the truck, the group of artists that are currently showing over at Location Gallery. So check that one out there and check out all of the great content that we have here at the Savannah Morning News in the entertainment section. But let's get to this week's interview. Samantha Mack conducted from her studio space over at Sulphur Studios, talking all about her exhibition through a kaleidoscope. Enjoy. Rob Hessler here with Art on the Air Field Notes. I am in Samantha Mack's studio, and today we're going to be talking about Through a Kaleidoscope. So, Sam, I want to kind of dive right in here because I mentioned as I walked in your studio door how the work sort of surprised me a little bit because I had one preconceived notion about you and your work, and it turned out to be a little bit something different and more than that, um, steeped in your sort of family history and all that. So why don't you tell us what Through a Kaleidoscope is all about? Well, Rob, thank you so much. I'm, I'm honored that you came today um, and honored to be talking with you. Um, so the show is called Through a Kaleidoscope based on this idea that life is a perpetual process of reorientation, um, that we never really settle or come to a conclusion about what life means because there are no there is no one answer mm-hmm. um, and we have this sort of perpetual tension within ourselves because we're a synthesis between spirit and body so on the one hand we're capable of thought and emotion and, and profound connection but on the other we are animals and like any other living thing we will die um, and so we're wrestling with that constantly um, but 
to me, that's one of the most compelling things about art and about making things is that we make things anyway and all the more fervently and with more urgency because we have limited time. Um, and that's what I love. One of the things I love about art. Well, I want to ask you, that is so deep and profound and I can't wait to talk about the philosophy because I love that I can really geek out on philosophy when it comes to this kind of stuff, especially in terms of a radio show where we have kind of a nice long time that we can talk about it. But I also want to talk about what your work is exactly, like physically what it is, because I think when I saw that you're getting MFA in painting and if people see that those words on paper, they probably have one idea of what that means, Mm -hmm. but I'm not really seeing a lot of painting. So why don't you describe kind of what your work is? Yeah. So I, I go all over the place in terms of material based on the ideas that I'm having. Mm -hmm. Sort of the idea comes first and then whatever material is best suited to that idea is how it ends up being realized. So I started out One of the reasons I chose painting specifically um, when I was looking at different programs at SCAD was that there was such an openness to Mm, exploring different materials if you wanted to. So I started painting and drawing maybe the first quarter that I was there and then immediately veered off into all kinds of different territory. (laughs) So we're like surrounded right now by uh, thousands of crocheted butterflies and this crocheted cushion and the light. Um, And the crochet comes from my great-grandmother. Um, so she did that and it has been passed down to me and there's something very, um, cyclical about that. Yeah. If I could just yeah. interrupt you really quickly, cause I want to read this from your artist statement and we can build off because it's so beautifully written. When I was born, my great grandmother, Ida crocheted a blanket for me. When she died, she was buried with a pillow I made for her. We come full circle like crochet. We work in the round following each other's paths, eyes and hands, tracing the same small meditative motions that came before. I pick up the stitch where my grand, my great-grandmother left off. I mean, it's just so beautiful. Yeah, because crochet is very cyclical and has this infinite potential to be continued because it's uh, you're working with a hook and you're creating these loops. You can always work back into the edge of something and extend it. And I have pieces of crochet that my great-grandmother made for me that could potentially be extended into and yarn that she has passed down to me. Right. Um, and it's also a very, it's like an innately human activity because unlike some other fibrous processes, it can't be uh, quite replicated by machine. You can machine knit, um, but you can't really machine crochet. Right, yeah. I hadn't even thought about that, but that's a really good point. Yeah, so there's something very, and especially when you combine it with the light, um, there's something very biological or referencing the biological about that. Yeah, and so let's talk about light because you recently actually had a piece in the in the drive through art box that you did with John Witzke, a light piece that you did over there, which is really cool because I, I hadn't I know other artists have used light in that space before, but that was kind of like an ever changing sort of light piece. And I guess that's probably a big part of the reason why, like what I was thinking about in terms of your art and also your Instagram, I think has a lot of light stuff going on on it, but talk to me a little bit about like how you integrate and for the audience who's maybe listening, how you integrate kind of a light into these pieces, because you are, I mean, they're kind of like technologies that you don't necessarily think like, okay, crochet, which as you are talking about your great grandmother. And I mean, honestly, like, the stuff you're doing with light now 
didn't even exist when your great-grandmother probably first learned to crochet. So there's kind of this interesting juxtaposition between something very old and something very new in terms of like artistic practices. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's feedback that I've gotten a lot, is that it's like carrying the crochet into the future in a way and continuing it on um, with this more contemporary medium. But I was initially drawn to light um, for its sort of spiritual quality. Oh, okay. We think of light as this spiritual medium, but I've also been realizing that it's somewhat, like, it's artificial as well, because I have to maintain these pieces. I have to put batteries into them, and, like, if I'm not caring for them, it's almost like they're on life support. Because if I'm not caring for them and maintaining them, then that part of it goes away. But what's embedded in the crochet itself is also very spiritual and meditative. Wow, what an interesting thought that are on life support. Like, without when the batteries die, like, it's your responsibility to care for them. Because it's interesting, and I've kind of thought about this, and we're going to go off on a little bit of a tangent. But mm-hmm. So, like, I have Alexa at home, right? Like, the dot. And, you know, like, so you, I'll, like, ask Alexa for things. But I have this notion that I need to say, like, please and thank you. I also have a a two-and-a-half-year-old, so, like, I want him to hear me say please and thank you and stuff (laughs) like that. But it's, like, that has inherently made me think about, like, technology. Like, I treat it like it's something living. And the way that you describe that, like, on life support, like, and sort of caring for the object, like, it doesn't work unless you care for it. It's an interesting concept. Yeah, because these pieces, these have a lifespan to them. Well, they do have a lifespan, but the lifespan is dependent upon your work. I mean, right. technically, they could almost go on in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. So as long as the environment, which is you or somebody else, like let's say 100, 100 years from now, you're long gone and somebody else decides to put new batteries in your piece, it like will come back to life. And they just unearths it, dusts <laughs> it off, and... Plugs it in. <laughs> That's interesting. Let's talk about the work in the show here because it's exciting and simultaneously frustrating because mm-hmm. I'm interviewing you before the show's up. That's frustrating because I can't see the show and we can't mm-hmm. talk in amongst the show. But it's also exciting because we're in your studio right now and your studio is <laughs> insane. It's totally full. So there's a lot of things that interest me, but nothing is calling out to me as much as all of the canning jars that you have in the stack along one wall. And when we, when I say all of them, how many do you have here? Talk about this piece. What is, what's going on here? So there are currently, this is a series, an ongoing series currently of a thousand butterflies and each one is unique. Um, so in the process of creating them, I was keeping track of they're each a combination of two colors. Mm. Um, and so the combination might be the same, but there's no arrangement of colors that is the same right. amongst all of them. Um, and that began as a project during quarantine. So it ah. was like all this time to just sit and work on these. Um, and I had already been thinking so much about containment and transfer. Yeah, I was going to say, like... Death. So that became all the more salient during COVID um, and just ended up being very related to what I was already thinking about. Um, but the butterflies came from that initially, and I've experimented with different ways of displaying them, um, but the jars I'm very interested in because they have to do with preservation and containment, um, and so I've been classifying each one of these butterflies so they each have a unique name, um, using binomial nomenclature, um, and I learned a little bit of Latin and (laughs) some words from my thesis to, um, to name some of these, and I had fun with it. Um, and the date that's on the lid of the jar 
is actually the evening before uh, the show opens. So, so the show opens on May 12th, um, but on the 11th, uh, the Sulphur crew, we're all going to get together and have a sort of ceremonial lighting of the butterflies. Um, oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah, so I have these uh, LED lights that are going to go inside each one, and they will fade and die over time. You can't really replace the batteries in them, but that's intentional. Um, yeah. That it'll dim over the course of the show, but what is preserved in the jar is the memory of that action and the memory that's embedded in the crochet. Wow, you know, this is, um, I mean, you know, you talk about the symbolism of the jar, but of course also like what kid hasn't collected some like dead butterfly in mm -hmm. a jar just like this. I mean, in fact, at my house, well, that's not a, it's not that canning jar, but it's like, you know, an old pickle jar. We have some butterflies that we've collected at our house. So like, I understand that, or they might've gotten dumped out by our child at this point, but point is that they were at one point collected in the jar so there is also a very sort of straightforward and direct connection to an activity i think that people think of which is like if they find a bug and putting it in a jar but then when you add in all the pandemic stuff and doing it during quarantine and even thinking like are like we're the butterfly and we're contained in this thing mm -hmm. and I might also say the whole dimming of the light over time certainly feels very much in line with at least how I experienced the pandemic, which was at first it was amazing. And then as time went on, it was like, oh my gosh, I miss my fellow butterflies, you might say, exactly. as time went on. So yeah. um, that's really fascinating. So what, what are some other things that people can expect in this show? Like, what else are you showing? Because obviously we're amongst a lot of work here. Yeah, so I've got... So the light boxes will be a part of the show. We talked a little bit about the light, but those are combining um, some of the crochet uh, crocheted lace with um, mm -hmm. light. And some of them have a kinetic element, so some of them are motorized. Um, so there's going to be a lot of shifting color. The show, the gallery will be entirely dark, um, save oh, for the work. Wow. So the work will be the only thing illuminating things. And there will also be a film element, too. So video is another thing I work with, and I'll be creating a sort of theater space within the gallery. Um, and then I've crocheted some seating. I have these, I call them kaleidoscopic crochet cushions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> They're really, it's really beautiful. You know, Thank it's you. funny because maybe this is just a time thing, because you mentioned your great-grandmother knitting you a crochet blanket. And, like, I remember I had a crochet blanket like, as a kid, and my sister, too, but my wife or I, we don't crochet at all. But my brother-in-law's wife's sister, I don't know how they exactly relate, but she's a Finnish woman, mm -hmm. and she crocheted a blanket for my son. And there is a very much a feeling of, like, to me, that connection to, like, a kid gets one of these things. And mm -hmm. the colors and everything are kind of almost childish, playful, I might mm -hmm. say, at least in the one that I'm looking at right here. So it's kind of an interesting, I don't know, there's something nostalgic, something deeply seated, I think, in it, in a way. You know, like, for me personally, like, when I see crochet at this scale, you know, I mean, if you just see a little bit of crochet or it's done in a, in a weird way, then maybe it's not as much. But I think at this scale kind of makes me feel like a childhood connection, a childlike connection. Yeah, um, that's been one of the things that's been really cool about it is that I hear a lot of people's family stories just from, they see this and then they share stories like that with the connection to crochet. So that's been a really interesting part of it because, yeah, my, like my great-grandmother, 
um, would make a blanket for each new child in the family. Um, and now mm-hmm. I've taken that on. Like, I've made blankets oh, for my younger amazing. cousins. And um, I have an older cousin who is now learning um, and getting into it. So it's really exciting to share that, too. That's so cool. I want to ask you to shift gears a little bit here because we've been talking about some of the philosophy in your work and some of the work itself, but you're also going to be doing an artist talk in conjunction with your show. Talk a little bit about that and what people can expect there. Yeah, so that'll be on Saturday the 21st at 2 p.m. It'll be in person in the gallery at Sulphur Studios, and it'll also be simulcast on Instagram Live. Uh, So if you go onto the Sulphur Studios Instagram on that day, you'll be able to just click the icon and watch from there, too. And I'll be speaking a little bit initially in the beginning about some of the ideas, and then it'll open up to to questions. Yeah, so for those who, and maybe even me, who aren't able to see all of the work just yet, well, I'll probably come, I will come by the opening, so we'll see if, if I have more questions when I get to finally see everything, but that'll be, that'll be really cool. So we've been talking a lot about your work and the show specifically, and we have not yet mentioned that you're also a part of the crew here at Sulphur and mm-hmm. Art Southeast, and you have been for a while, and I will just say, for those out there listening who might be looking to see if Sam might be a potential employable person... Sam has been great. Actually, I've been working with you with press releases and all this stuff, and you're always like right back to me and and always giving me contacts and helping me out with setting up interviews with folks. But I wanted to kind of ask you a little bit because that's been a big part of your last couple of years too, and really not just working on your own work, but being a part of probably the biggest art hub in Savannah in terms of like stuff that's happening and a lot of exciting young artists are doing stuff here. Talk a little bit about your role here at Sulphur, if you could, just for people who maybe... I mean, some, a lot of people might have might know your face just from coming into the gallery over the last couple of years. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I first of all want to thank everyone at Sulphur Studios from the bottom of my heart for making Sulphur Studios what it is and for allowing me to be here and work here and learn here. I'm learning so much here, right. and I f- it's, I'm so thankful to be involved in something so special, because it, it's like you're saying, it really does feel like it's at the heart of so much of what is going on mm-hmm. in the amazing art world in Savannah. Um, I feel very lucky to be here. Um, I am the gallery assistant and director of public relations at Sulphur Studios, um, so I help out with a lot of day-to-day tasks involving exhibitions, so you might see me on Sundays um, when I usually gallery sit. I also help um, install the exhibitions and reset the gallery, and just communications with with, uh, people like you, Rob, uh, to get the word out about things that we have going on. So... That's awesome. Yeah, it's been, um, like I said, it's been a pleasure working for you. I wanted to, working with you, I wanted to ask you, you know, now that you were, I kind of started chatting with you when I first walked in before we were recording, you know, how you feeling like you're getting to the end of school and you're like, oh, I might want, wouldn't mind going to get a doctorate or whatever. But I do kind of wonder, what are your plans now? You know, I'm sure you've kind of looked a little bit to the future or, you know, you're, you're getting this, this is kind of a big moment for you with the exhibition, but I'm wondering, you know, what your feelings are. Are you planning on staying in Savannah? What kind of ideas are you thinking about in terms of, of like your future once you're done with SCAD and your painting? Yeah, absolutely. Masters. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm very excited. I'm definitely sticking around Savannah uh, for at least a couple of years here. There's so much going on and so much to do. And I already have so many ideas for what I want to make going forward. Yeah. I was talking to uh, Jennifer Moss about this. Um, we had a studio visit a while back, and she was saying the exhibition can make it feel like you have to do everything right now. Um, all of your current ideas, yeah, and then you'll yeah, be satisfied yeah, yeah. somehow, but... No, like, I'll always be chasing that, and I have this whole backlog of things I want to make. So I'm very excited, very thankful to have a studio here at Sulphur. Um, so if you ever want to come by and see me, um, I do have a studio here. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's the first door on the left. If you enter in through the main entry area where all the Art Southeast sort of storefront is, and you start down the hallway, it'll be the first door on the left, which I didn't even know. I, I mean, I guess I presumed that you had a studio space here, but I, like... Never even thought, I'm like, obviously, I should come and see it. So, <laughs> so I appreciate that. Um, so, Sam, let's let's kind of round this off here. So, Samantha Mack through a kaleidoscope is May 12th through the 28th with the reception on Friday, May 13th from 6 to 9 p.m. But if people are interested in learning more about you and your work, any other details you want to give, tell us how to, how they can do that, how people can do that. Sure, yeah. So, yeah, you can visit me. I'm here pretty often uh, during open hours, Thursday through Sunday. I'm usually gallery sitting on Sundays, uh, at least lately, from 12 to 5. I have an Instagram, so Samantha D. Mack, M-A-C-K, is my Instagram. Uh, my website is samanthamackart.com. And I also have a little tab on the Sulphur Studios website. If you go down to Our Artists and click on my name, you can find more of my work there. Um, and I also just want to say thank you again to you, Rob. Of course. And to Sulphur Studios, um, to my friends and family, uh, my partner Yvonne, who has been with me through the entire roller coaster of this thing, um, and to my professors and colleagues at SCAD. So I love you all, and I will see you at the <laughs> show. <laughs> Samantha Mack, thank you so much for being on Art on the Year today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Rob. That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Art on the Air with your host, Rob Hessler. Listen every Wednesday for our live show, broadcasting from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on 107.5 FM, Savannah Soundings, and worldwide at WRUU.org. And you can catch past episodes on the WRUU station archives on our website, as well as on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. We'll talk to you next week, where we'll have another batch of art on the air. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. 
Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.